Thank you, Janet Lee. Thank you so much. And yesterday was your 72-year-old birthday. And wow, God has so blessed you. You are still beautiful and young-looking, and you are just continuously increasing on your talent. God bless you. And hello, hello out there. And if you started with us a little earlier, well, guess what? We have just done so much of this input that we have filled up some incredibly large storage sources that was not imagined could ever be filled up this soon, even though it's been years. And we just ran out of space and had to have this whole thing done over. And thank God for Brian uh, Parks and and uh, Stephen Phillips, who were standing by to uh, get us back on again. And here we are, back on. And we are going to be going over this whole thing uh, of the wrap-up of the 
Exodus Escape. And today is the 22nd of May, and this is the year 2016. We are so happy you are on and listening, and for those of you that will come on later and join, uh, because we do archive these teachings. Well, the, the manifest reveal of the Exodus escape. Most people think that's only about what happened in Egypt, but actually it's much, much more than that. It's, it's the Earth planet. It's the solar system. It's the universe because it incorporates a whole awesome revelation of continuum that spans out in almost every conceivable depth that a brain or a mind could begin to comprehend. Of course, Moses, who is the, the executor and the leader of the things of God that are to be delivered and that are to be put aside and not chosen, wrote the Torah, which included, of course, Genesis. And that awesome statement in the first chapter, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And in the reveal, or the revelation, if, you, if you'd like to call it that, of the holy manifest of the Exodus escape, the teachings show that the word Elohim, although some uh, persons in the grammar uh, studio of aspects think it differently, they are just incorrect when it comes to understanding it in a contextual sense. That the word actually is a, a plural word and that the gods are the meaning of that word. But then there is an aspect of what is said about the singularity or the singular God that is also a part of it. So in the Peace Bible, it says the, it, and this is very important because you get the, the aspect of something unusual, you know, the manifold God. So you have the God, which sounds singular, but because it has a word that, that modifies it from the beginning, you have a manifold God, and there then you have the God who is the many one. And Jesus taught this in the Gospel of John. He says, I will be in you, and you will be in me. And Paul taught this. He said, you know, uh, we are members of a body. We are many members of one body, a many one. And this idea of the manifold God is ultimate in the resolution of understanding how God talks in this holy, awesome word of God. And so we are so thankful how that in the vision aspect of which the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. 
in the vision aspect, we discover that God says, let there be light. And why does he say, let there be light? Because darkness existed. But what was that darkness about? Well, it was part of an everlasting day. And how we know that is by looking at the, at the, uh, the fifth verse of the chapter one of Genesis. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. But you and I know that the 12 and the 12 actually end up making a 24-hour day. Now, if you're just talking a 12-hour day, that's the part of the light. But if you're talking a 24-hour day, then you also have the 12 hours of the darkness. So you got the 12 and the 12, and so you have the 24. And that is a very critical, uh, important number to understand circuit-wise in some of the uh, statements that it makes uh, in, in, in the Bible. Uh, just beautifully and profoundly of, of, of uh, understanding. Now, the evening and the morning were the first day. So, these days don't start with light, like most people think of. It starts here with darkness. The evening and the morning were the first day, 24-hour day. So, a day in the understanding of the Bible starts with darkness. And so when you had darkness out there in this vast void, it was a day that was going on, only it wasn't a 24-hour day. It was an eternal day. And, and um, because in the Alpha and the Omega of God, the Alpha and the Omega happen at the same time. And that which is the beginning is also part of that which is the end, and that which is the end is also part of that which is the beginning. And so the revelation in the book of Revelation of that which was and that which is and that which is to come, and the revelation in the book of Ecclesiastes, or Ecclesiastes is the revelation of all of those things belonging together and being required, that the past is required. You can't get away from it. It's like when God said, you are God, you know, in Jesus, God through Jesus said, you are God's, and that is written in the Bible, and that was in the book of Psalms at that time. He says, that cannot be broken. You cannot break this. There, there is a provision there that, that that resolve, that fact, that resolution, that potential and actuality can never be broken. It cannot be dissolved. And so when you understand that, you understand the eternalness of the soul and the eternalness of all that exists. So we teach that there are two infinities. There's the infinity of the first domain, the heaven of heavens, and there's the infinity of the universe. Well, people say, well, that can't be true because look at the Big Bang and that didn't happen when there was anything at all. Uh, well, it's not true that there wasn't anything at all. If there hadn't been anything at all, then there would be nothing to make a Big Bang about. But the fact that there was a Big Bang that happened meant there was something to make a Big Bang about. And that Big Bang that was made was the uh, residue 
of the former universe that had collectively uh, entered into zero volume and, and uh, infinite density. And those are actually scientific terms also. So as we begin to see that and think of that, what was really going on was an eternal day that was happening not in the day of light part, but in the day of night part, the day of darkness. And so this darkness was going on, and then God said, okay, it's time to end the dark part of this day and for there to become the light part of the day. And, and now when it says, and God said, let there be light, that wasn't that at that instant, somewhere in the eternals of the, un, the, the, the vacant universe that God uh, poked his head out from the first domain and said, let there be light. No, the word that God spoke was already imbued eternally into all the substance of, of that, that ultimate density. It was in there. And, and there was a, a law of latolution that after so many eternities of time, the compression would increase to the point that there then would this explosion or this expansion, and that would be the beginning of the stars and the day, the eternal part. And so, it is awesome. And when the Peace Bible writes about the first day in the fifth verse, it calls it one, uh, a time of one billion years. And in the second day, it adds another billion, that makes it two billion years. And the third day, uh, it adds three billion years, that's in the 13th verse. And then it goes on uh, to the fourth day, there's a half a billion uh, duration of time. And after that, it goes into the millions and it brings us to the, the timing of what was going on in that happening of moving from the, the eternal long night uh, into the res resolves of the days of stars and planets and all of those attributes that can bring about living creations. Well, you know, that all makes us think about the accounting of God. How God accounts is not like how man configures and how man accounts. So that we see sometimes in the Bible, someone is called the son of a person. Like Jesus is called like the son of Abraham. Even though there's thousands of years between them. But there is an understanding there very deep that makes it accurate and correct. But in human accounting, it doesn't add up that way. But that then changes the duration of the time. And it creates what we call interstitial space and interstitial time. That means that, that the time is consistent of going on, but that there are gaps of time in between 
gaps of space in between, gaps of incidents in between that are not counted. And like, for instance, when you're talking about uh, elect people of God, uh, there may be all kinds of people that are not accepted as being the elect. So although they might precede or, or be born in between, they will not be counted in the elect. And so the elect are counted, one here, one there, and, and it can be interstitial. That means there, there's spaces in between one elect to another elect, and that same applies uh, with things that can happen with time and, and things that can happen with movements in the universe. And that makes it all very, very, very interesting. Well, when we start talking about time, you know, uh, we have to understand that most likely there existed an extremely high techno technological uh, civilization which most likely and very likely definitely existed uh, in the distant past of our planet. And these things have just not been understood and it just joins the club of ignorance so that they say today that the scientists and the physicists at their best only know a fourth about the universe. And that is true of archaeologists, of genealogists, and all the different uh, sciences uh, and, and even bacteriological uh, aspects of creation. People are only beginning by a very small percentage to know a few things. And it's very reminiscent, very, uh, uh, very, very much uh, similar, I should say, uh, to the thing that happened in Greece on Mars Hill uh, when Paul noted that there was a, a recognition of an unknown God because the Greeks didn't want to accidentally miss a god by not naming that god. And so the world is full of this aspect of the unknown god. Well, there are some supporting things uh, that go along with all this. A metallic, a metallic part was found in Russia uh, that um, um, they it was embedded in coal and they aged it at 300 million years, if you can imagine that. And uh, they have found uh, uh, ancient al aluminum uh, type of things and uh, uh, things that have predated humans. Uh, they found silver... Uh, that was um, uh, embedded around that, uh, you know, a, a, a base object that was 500 million years old, an iron pot that was 312 years old. And so God's accounting is not like our human accounting. Uh, it, it's just awesome, awesome, awesome to know the truth and the things of God. And that's where we're headed today as we do a review and a 
wrap-up of these 30, which includes today, Exodus, Exodus Escape Expositions. Well, in Forbidden Archaeology, and there's a book called Forbidden Archaeology that I have a copy of, have had it for some long period of time. It tells about how they found a stone tool in um, Caligo in Southern California, dated at 200,000 years old. And a single uh, uh, organism uh, that they date to three and a half billion years ago. Um, they found various unusual kinds of life that fell into the, into the category of organism dating back to 630 million years ago. And they found that 590 million years ago, there was a prolific explosion of marine life that formed, and that was the beginning of the Paleozoic era. So time goes on, geological eras, periods of time permeate the on and the on of the outward and inward movements of life and of existence. Well, to be able to even get an insight into these kind of things from the Bible, we have to really know the Bible in a profound way, quite different from what a lot of people would imagine. For instance, there is no tense, T-E-N-S-E, in Hebrew language. No tense in the Hebrew language, no form to indicate the past, the present, or the future. The only way you can tell time in Hebrew is by the context of what is written. So you've got verb stems that have simple, intensive, causative aspects and active, passive, reflective aspects. You've got uh, Hebrew uses of the word one, uh, the word and, and, and uh, one and after another is used to link events together uh, in a chain of const a constructive uh, context. Uh, but that and also has a deep, deep additional meaning of furnishing uh, the ideology that when that and is put into the sentence or before the sentence, that it is saying that there are other things not expressed here, other things not known that are being said here that are part of the general context. So, as we expand on the thing of the Hebrew, we find parallelisms, parallelisms. Uh, we find strange synonym uses, uh, antithetical uh, uses, synthetic uses. Uh, we, we read into... Uh, the distance of the word. And we understand things 
uh, about even something as small as a seed, how that it has parallelism and uh, is, uh, can be synonymous or can be uh, antithetical uh, or synthetic or in many other cases where it might uh, have uh, adverbs or verbs added to it. Uh, it can take on different unusual meanings. And knowing these things is something that you can only really scrutinize by the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible promises, as Jesus said this, you know, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with the Holy Ghost. It will lead you and guide you into all truth. And so, going on with understanding this thing of Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament has only 6,000 words. Now, did you get that? The whole Old, Old Testament has only 6,000 words. And all derive from about 500 roots. Now, it is so important to understand that the same word with a root that may have many branchings and other associate roots, but nevertheless, there's only 500 of them, that same word may have a great variety of meanings. So when someone comes along and tries to tell you, here's what this word defines, this is what this word, and they try to show you maybe, you know, from one of the dictionaries or one of the concordances. Uh, those particular, uh, depending on which one you're using, concordance may be of a nature that they are very narrowly written because there is a scholar that has his own idea about the limits of those uh, definitions and uh, just uh, eradicates using any of those other possible definitions. But, but uh, when you really are able to come into the, the fruitfulness of the variety of those uh, different uh, applicable definitions and, and understand that they change the whole meaning, they, they can be addendum, uh, they can be uh, uh, subtractive, uh, they can fit in in so many different ways when you know all of those meanings. So we'll cover a few things as we keep, go forward. Uh, but but uh, we, we, we understand uh, when we start talking ancient things like the Phoenician uh, type of existence, how that Hebrew identifies with the Phoenician language. And though it is a Semitic language, um, and it has its differences of aspects, when they found the Moabite stone, that really revealed the secret to those languages. And, and we begin to understand things that without having had that experience, it, it couldn't be known. And, you know, even like when people say, why can't they just know what the name of the Pharaoh was that, uh, that died in, 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 in the Red Sea flood uh, or that, that uh, uh, was the one that was so crude and, and uh, uh, evil against the children of Israel. Well, a pharaoh is said to have as many as 15 different names. 
And so when you're discovering that these ferals can have different la- names of different languages and they can have a different names of, uh, of application that applies to different uh, of their experiences or capabilities or wars uh, or what they feel is their special uh, design that belongs to them of, of their powers of, of feral godship. Uh, you've got to know a lot of that. If you don't know it, you can just plain get off track and and uh, not know where you're going with the truth because you won't have any idea what the truth is. So when we talk about the pharaohs, uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, daughter or, or or family person uh, who found Moses and raised Rose, uh, Moses uh, uh, to be a part of the pharaoh family, uh, people have said, well, that pharaoh... Uh, chased after uh, Moses and Israel, and they died. He died in the Red Sea. But you know, the Bible does not contradict itself, although people think it it does. But that's just because people don't uh, don't understand it. Uh, but when you have a title of a pharaoh, then you say pharaoh. Uh, that doesn't exactly mean only one singular person. Uh, there's been lots of pharaohs. And then sometimes during the life of a pharaoh, uh, there can be what is called a corregent, C-O-R-E-G-E-N-T, which is a person who also acts as the pharaoh under the, the first pharaoh or the major pharaoh. And, and that corregent can be a son, a daughter, a loyal person. Uh, many other uh, uh, fits uh, could could uh, go along with that. So, the pharaoh that died in the Red Sea by the flood was a corregent, and obviously the pharaoh that was the chief pharaoh did not die. And Moses was not able to leave the Midianites until that pharaoh died and the Lord said that that pharaoh that persecuted you has died, now you need to go back to Egypt. And by that time, Moses was over 80 years old. So we have to be awful careful what we start giving as definite decisions of of what is uh, true and not true, what is right and not right about scriptures. And we have to be very careful not to get deceived by people who make predictions that they don't know what they're talking about. The Bible talks about, uh, but when the fullness of time has come. Well, the Bible says in Joel 2.23, Behold, I, give you the, I shall give you the former rain moderately, but I shall c- cause to come down on the last month the, the former and the latter rain. So we can see that there are experiences that are moderate, and they modify the rain, so that there is only a certain amount of that knowledge. That gets us into the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and then the 100-fold. So when we get past the former rain, we've got the moderate rain, the 30-fold. We get the, the uh, 60-fold, which is the former rain. Then we go into the, the, the latter rain, we get the, uh, the, the 100-fold. And, and uh, uh, those revelations uh, have uh, duplicities, uh, that I don't have the time to get into here uh, that are very, very interesting. But, you know, these titles are, are something that are very important. Even Joseph, 
You know, Genesis 45 and 8 talks about three titles that Joseph held. Uh, Number one, a father to Pharaoh. Number two, the Lord of all his house. Number three, the ruler throughout all Egypt. Genesis 41-40. How important and awesome it is to have all that knowledge. And, and, and how important it is to, to not make judgments against the Bible or against uh, uh, the religious aspects of the Bible uh, uh, in a way of not knowing what you're talking about. Uh, people might say, well, why did um, Joseph have to end up marrying uh, into the, a priest family uh, like the priest of On or On, uh, and uh, who was the father of the wife of Joseph? Why? Why did he marry into this this different kind of a religion? Now, the city of of On uh, was also known as uh, Heliopolis, which means the city of the sun, and it was the center of worship for the sun god Re or Ra. And uh, you can back that up in Genesis 41:45, Genesis 45:50, Genesis 46:20, and Ezekiel 30:17. And these these uh, persons that were involved with that uh, type of, of belief, uh, you know, uh, one of them had the name Horus, H-O-R-U-S, and it's like the road of Horus that leaves, uh, leads uh, uh, from Goshen area uh, on into Canaan. Uh, and there is, uh, you know, the name of, a, of a, like a king who was, uh, had that name. Uh, it's, it's just interesting, importantly interesting, to know what those things mean. So that, that makes us really, really uh, think about uh, the story of the Exodus escape and how that the story of the uh, Exodus escape uh, and the existence of Moses um, uh, is to us so very real, but to a lot of archaeologists uh, and Egyptologists uh, uh, and other experts even in the field of biblical uh, uh, criticism, uh, they, they challenge uh, a lot of those things they challenge even those existences and uh, it 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 makes it very important uh, to know those things because if you don't uh, know them uh, you end up in dead water so um, you know exodus uh, 1 6 through 12 uh, it it tells us a lot of interesting things on this journey and and about the the clean trail of the Exodus, and and uh, we're going to uh, you know mention a few of those things. Uh, I I have to be very very careful here because I have a stack of things to cover. This will be an elongated uh, uh, teaching here today, and uh, I do want to say a, a few things uh, at this point. Just take a break to say them. Uh, for instance, uh, in order to give me the time I need to prepare for the meeting uh, that we're having uh, 18th and 19th of, of June in California, uh, I'm going to take a break from the Facebook uh, postings that I've been doing. And Marlon Winston, 
uh, is going to post uh, instead of myself. And uh, he, he is very deep into uh, this wor word, and he has been active in making, doing postings from both the, uh, the book of uh, the Seven Thunders of Genesis and uh, from the Star Eyes. And so we just are so thankful uh, for Marlon and this work that he will be doing. Um, we uh, are also, I am also going to take a break uh, from doing the broadcast. This broadcast will be the last broadcast I'll be doing for uh, some several months because uh, between trying to finish the black hole uh, uh, manual book uh, and its latest edition and uh, being ready for this uh, uh, manifest meeting in June and then uh, all of the other books that are trying to get finished not to mention that uh, uh, even in July we'll, we'll be having some uh, filming of uh, three top world uh, physicists two of which are, are uh, both uh, physicists that are, are very involved in uh, space and uh, uh, then there's another physicist who's involved in fusion. Um, I need time for getting those, those films done. So I just have to take a break because I'm just one person. It's only so much I can do. But um, as we go on to read and we begin to see that there was an army that was selected of, of over 600 and uh, some odd thousands of men. And, and they were young. They were like around 20 years old and somewhere in, in a young age. And they represented the fathers of all the tribes of Israel. And uh, we'll be talking about the different ways of separation, such as described in Exodus 13, 17 through 18, and how that even uh, on that journey, their clothes and shoes did not age, Deuteronomy 29.5. And we'll uh, you know, hopefully be back in contact with verses like Exodus 19.4, uh, eagle's wings, and how that that represented uh, like the 68th chapter of Psalms where it talks about uh, the uh, 20,000 ziths and, and thousands of angels, 20,000 of them uh, that met with Moses and the people of Israel uh, at Mount Sinai. Um, uh, it, it is is just absolutely awesome, all that uh, that is going on. The yeah, the the the, the army was composed of of uh, persons twenty years old and up, who became s soldiers representing the families of the tribe of uh, tribes of Israel. So we need to know how that it can be said. Uh, in ancient hieroglyphics uh, uh, and the scriptures and and uh, of the fascinating uh, things, uh, the story uh, of this great escape, but at the same time, uh, there being Egyptologists and archaeologists that are absolutely denying its existence, and even persons who are. Uh, 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 Christians and, and, and different religions that are denying it. Uh, we want to talk about that. Uh, yes, we do understand that from Goshen, trying to get down into Canaan direct, 
you had to go on the road of Horus Highway, and uh, uh, there was a um, very advanced Egyptian military uh, 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 guard uh, patrol that was set up there uh, that uh, was implanted uh, so that the Way of Horus route uh, was not just that easy to, to get through without some real advanced uh, reveal of God. And, of course, we're going to talk about that. So, um, as we go on with this thing about the story of Exodus and, and how the, we challenge the archaeologists, we challenge the Egyptologists, we, we challenge any of the experts uh, with their uh, uh, biblical criticism uh, and uh, can prove by the scriptures how awesomely real those things are. And, uh, and we know that uh, when they're talking other kinds of, of um, realities of other kinds of people other than the Jews, uh, they don't have any problem uh, showing that 3000 B.C. and 3200 B.C. there were Proto-Indo and Europeans uh, that lived in Mesopotamia, uh, and that was during the Bronze and Iron Ages. Uh, uh, they don't uh, have problems talking about the Inca and the, and the Aztec and the May, Maya uh, uh, that lived in the Western Hemisphere uh, and substantiating their stories. But when it comes to this thing of the stories of Moses, oh, do people ever get uptight and... Uh, we are here today to battle those ignorant aspects of mental darkness and to take a stand uh, for the, the glory of God and uh, to show that, um, you know, there are ways to look at the Bible and to, to understand certain things. Uh, there are ways uh, to understand that, uh, you know, um, uh, in, in, in the Bible, uh, in in the book of Kings, uh, it it talks about that uh, over some over four hundred years um, from the time of um, actually was from uh, like four hundred and eighty years uh, going backwards from the building of the Temple of Solomon uh, that dates the departure from Egypt. Now that's that is, uh, you know, uh, in the first book of Kings, um, chapter 6, verse 1. And that's just Bible. So, it, you know, a person ought to be able to look at that and say, well, according to this, whatever time we discover that Solomon built the temple and we go back 480 years, that gives us the time. And then there's things like the fact that uh, it talks... It, it talks about um, um, Moses and, um, and it talks about uh, Joseph and gives various interesting points that, um, uh, you know, are, are leads of information. Like Joseph it tells about him riding in a, in, in, a, um, uh, in a chariot. And yet, historically speaking, it shows that... Uh, wheels or spokes used for Egyptian chariots 
didn't uh, become available until about 2000 BC. Uh, so all of these things have to be addressed in order to make things sensical uh, with, with, with the Bible. And, and, uh, uh, and to understand that uh, there's more to the Bible than has ever been imagined. Now, <clears throat> there recently was a Bible scholar. Um, this guy is a, is a true, recognized Egyptologist. And uh, he has come up with a very controversial, new kind of an idea. Uh, his name is uh, Godiki. Godiki. So Godiki, he based his controversial ideas on uh, several pieces of what he called evidence. And uh, he believed that the Red Sea really was the Reed Sea, which is some of the terminology it does use in the Bible. And this is, uh, uh, is referred to as a, uh, as a swampy lake. And he believes that uh, uh, the Egyptians came there and, and uh, they, they, uh, they spotted the uh, Israelites. The Israelites moved their army up on this. There's a mount that's right there at that lake. Uh, that they could get up on, and that was not very far from the Nile. The Nile's actually considered part of the Red Sea. And um, uh, so uh, before uh, that battle could actually begin or anything happen, he believes that there was a, uh, a, a mountain volcano eruption uh, that was about 20 miles away from that uh, spot. And that that caused this huge surge of water to come in that flooded and killed the Egyptian soldiers. But the, uh, the uh, Israelites being up on that mount uh, were able to survive. And then uh, he bases also uh, this idea uh, of the use of the word amu, A-M-U, uh, from an Egyptian uh, pharaoh uh, uh, lady who was the pharaoh. And, uh, and that uh, she does some writing that uh, he believes gives evidence uh, of them having uh, lived in Egypt and, and uh, then uh, left Egypt. Um, he says that uh, that volcano that erupted caused a tidal uh, wave uh, uh, that was over 100 feet tall. And uh, he describes uh, it as the San uh, Torinini's or the San Torini uh, tidal wave. Uh, uh, he's got some ideas. Uh, I don't think that his ideas are all correct, but you know, uh, it's interesting that there are some other people that are beginning to see that there are possibilities, possibilities that uh, can be provided in the reality of things uh, for the reality of the stories that were written by Moses uh, in the Bible. And, and so, you know, God raised up people that we, we think of as being evil, some of the pharaohs, uh, Belteshazzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and, and he used them for certain things. Even one uh, of the of the uh, kings uh, of Persia, 
was used to actually free the Israelites and allow them to go uh, back from their captivity because they had taken over Babylon and then they relieved the the captive uh, Babylonians uh, uh, so that they could go back uh, to their land. Uh, so God uses people that we don't assess as being of God because they are also used to do so many dark principled things. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have to understand uh, to not make judgments. And Jesus made that deal with, the, with people who would be Christians. If you will not judge, then you shall not be judged. Well, this brings us to a very important uh, subject that I want to go into that we, we did some interesting teaching on the Exodus escape about giants. And, you know, uh, why would um, uh, there be giants? What would be the reading? Well, we know that in the sixth chapter of, of Genesis, uh, you know, it talks about what uh, people have described using the name Nephilim, uh, and, and that's in Genesis 6, and how that the sons of God married the daughters of men, and then out of that uh, marriage, there was a breeding that took place that produced giants. It's interesting, in the animal world, they discovered that the breeding of, of, of uh, sometimes of tigers with lions create huge size, giant tiger-looking, lion-looking offspring. And, and uh, uh, so there is something genetically that can be said to that. But w we have to believe that the forces dark had a plot in that. And they were wanting uh, that stature that that uh, height elevation uh it was a it was a status measurement uh and uh, and uh, and it went along with their uh, uh chose with a chosen posture for them to to give them uh, a rank and 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 a status of 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 stature and uh so we we have to look at this thing with the with the uh the giants, and and uh, uh, in um, Strong's Concordance uh, 5303, and from uh, uh, 5307 and 7497, we we see that the word actually means that to become this Nephilim is to fall and to be cast down, to fall away, and to become a fugitive. So, when we begin to see these things, and we begin to get the picture of them, a person can't help but say, what's going on here? Is this just a, you know, uh, a human thing? Is, is this just something that just happened in Hebrew, in, in, in a human thing that the sons of God, who were the children of Saith, begin to marry the children of some of the offspring, like of of um, the children of uh, well, you know the story of how that Abel was killed by Cain, and that Cain began to have children that didn't have souls. And I explained in my teaching last week. But explained in my teaching last week how that um, uh, these souls uh, were blocked 
and suspend it because you would have a person who was uh, a daughter of 50% of a new child to come or a hope to come, and another person that would would be uh, donating 50% be a donor, uh, but one could donor the uh, the continuum of the soul, and the other could not uh, donor that because they didn't have a soul. Well, when the when the soulless and the soul uh, uh, came together in a genetic uh, 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 bonding. Uh, then it did not allow there to then be a soul person born. Uh, uh, it, it suspended that, and that created soulless people. I talked about that last week in our teaching. Uh, we see, though, that there is a force involved because Jesus tells the story of the tares. And in Matthew 13, uh, 20 through 39, Matthew 13, 20 through 39, he tells how that these tares were sown and plotted to be sown by the devils. That it wasn't a, just a genetic, a genetic accident. Uh, that it was a plotted thing. And so that we see by that example that this thing about the giants, and as we begin to get into the stories of who they were and what they became and what they represented, uh, that these were absolutely uh, utter uh, forces that that were planted uh, by the forces of dark uh, that Lucifer controlled, and and that totally goes along with the tares that were planted, uh, as mentioned in Matthew thirteen twenty through thirty nine, and that goes along with all of these different things that we want to get into on these giants and and what they represent and all the different kinds that, that there were, were the the in the uh, some of the Amorites and some of the Eman uh, Amorites Genesis 14 13 and uh, uh, 10 through 15 and 16 um, uh, and numbers thirteen twenty nine and thirty two and numbers fourteen six and nine and the Eman Deuteronomy two ten through eleven and Genesis uh, nineteen and thirty seven. Then there's the the Zuzim, which is also called the Zamzumin, which the term Zams uh, come as a name for the evil uh, flying uh, spacecraft uh, that is opposite of the Ziths. Uh, Genesis 14, 5. And uh, there is so much that we want to say about that. But now we're taking a break. Janet Lee at the organ.
Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. Absolutely awesome. Okay, here we go. We're on Giants. These Zam Zuman or Zam Zuman that I refer to as the Zams um, have a lot of meaning, and we 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 advance that. You know, uh, people don't realize going way, way, way back, that there was awareness of the planets. Um, Second Kings 23.5 speaks about the kings of Judah who burned incense in the high places of the cities of Judah and unto Baal, and to the sun, to the moon, and to the planets, and to all the host of heaven. And the planets were like Venus and Saturn, and they're mentioned in the Bible. Uh, Saturn is, is called in Amos 5.26, the star Kaiwan, and Venus is called the morning star. And Saturn and Jupiter both have uh, uh, moons and, and are said could possibly harbor life. Um, and when it talks about them harboring life, it doesn't mean on the planet itself, but on their satellites, which are moons. And so uh, it's, it, you know, like uh, Saturn has the moon uh, in Shalatus, and Jupiter has the moon Europa. Uh, there's just all kinds of very interesting things that need to be understood. Uh, the um, the different terms like uh, the most common the most common uh, Bible name for giant uh, is Rephelim uh, or Rephim and Rephim uh, which is Egyptian means Saturn so that's a, that, that's about the Saturn now there you know people don't understand like the name Mars, uh, you know, and different names of the different planets is actually uh, in a part of our days of the week. And there is a an ingraining and an intrusion uh, into the language of our daily existence that most people are unaware of. And, and that is very sad because... This, this is a major thing. We are not talking some minor little thing. The Bible talks about, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, in the scripture, um, Deuteronomy it may be, 2, 20, 21. It talks about uh, a numerous people, uh, bad and tall as the Anakim, and, um, and that... that uh, you know, uh, they they lived in the in the land uh, of giants. So this thing of giants is not minor. It's not minor. Uh, we need to understand how that it connects to the king of Bashan, and how that uh, there was major things. And when we when we uh, made the the, the uh, Exodus escape reveal about Moses and that he was really the regeneration of Seth 
and saith was coming back to deliver his people from these these uh, giants and from this invasion uh, uh, you know by the devils uh, of the human races uh, with the with with the idea of stopping the advance of soul birth because that is what was going to allow the regeneration of the fallen angels of the Ophanim. And as we begin to understand uh, this revelation that, that Jesus gave of the tares in Matthew 13, 20, 37, 39, it is incredible that people have thought, well, you know, all those people were wiped out at the flood. Well, no, they weren't. They absolutely were not. And that's that's... People just haven't even begun to understand the flood, and I'm hoping we're going to have the time to talk about that a little bit. But that there was, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Then he tells that in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, uh, there's going to be these angels, and, and they're, they're, it's obvious, it's implied, they're in spacecraft, and, 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 and there's going to be a meeting in the air. They're going to be picking up the, the, the raptured people and taking them off to the Father's house. And so it's utterly awesome, and it's utterly um, imposing of a statement that without applying it, you end up missing out on really knowing what the Bible is all about. Uh, you have to know something about the line of Cain that is still going on. You have to know something about some of the line of Ham, which is still going on. You have to know something about uh, the tares, taking it backwards into the Old Testament. You have to know something about what's called the children of Satan that survived the flood, which were giants. And how that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And then he goes on to say, you know, uh, some were eating and drinking, and the flood came, it took them away. And, and, and people think, well, there's only eight people that were saved by the, by, by the ark. And that was says, saved by water. But those saved by air was a far, far, far greater number. And, and, and so it's clearly in that statement is clearly in that statement, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, and in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, the rapture is in the air. And so, as it is going to be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, that's how it was in the days of Noah, there was a rapture in the air. And that rapture in the air was not only for the people that were the offspring of, of, uh, of Saith, through Adam, but it also included the giants, some of the giants. And we know that for a fact because we find scriptures that say, talk about the in, in the book of Ex, in the series of Exodus, it talks about the remnant of the giants. They, they were still alive. They either had to be on earth and have lived through the flood, of which the Bible says that no flesh lived through that flood. So then either you've got, to, you've got to contradict the Bible and say it's false, or you have to understand that those giants that were the remnant, they were taken up to places like Mars, then, then, then Saturn, they ended up on, uh, on, a, uh, on one of the moons of Saturn, and then they were brought back after the flood, 
and, and they still had to be dealt with and saith in, uh, in the personification of Moses had the job of going out there and destroying those, those, those uh, wicked uh, uh, devil-created uh, uh, entities because they were there for the purpose uh, of, of destroying uh, the plan of God. And Jeremiah 10, 11 through 12 says that those kind of persons, it says they shall perish from under these heavens. And there are many other scriptures along that line. And so as we begin to, to, to get into this thing, it, it is it's so deep of understanding uh, this thing about the, the Nephilim and the giants and, and, and uh, the, the, the meanings that, that uh, we cannot and must not be ill-informed about. And, and the Bible says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. And this is that kind of time. Now, uh, there were these, the queen of heaven, and there were all of these different uh, uh, gods that were worshipped, uh, that were gods of the planets, like, uh, like uh, Tammuz. Uh, Tammuz, uh, described in um, Ezekiel 8.14, um, uh, was a Phoenician deity, a sun god. And uh, there's many other, uh, uh, you know, phantom embodiments uh, that are uh, spoken about uh, in in the the Bible, uh, you know, like uh, Temuna, uh, uh, Strong's Concordance Hebrew eighty five forty four, uh, uh, Temuna, uh, you know, and who was deeply involved with all of this? Well, there's there are people that were just agents that belong to the forces dark, and. It, it, it tells about these agents. Uh, and I, I want to just read it to you uh, in, in the book of Jude, which is um, just you know prior to the book of Revelations, because it is such an astounding revelation that you must not and here is here, uh, you know, uh, let, me, let me find it and read it, read it here, because uh, it verse four, "For there are certain men." crept in unawares, 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 who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Now the Bible tells us there were races of men. There were even special leadership type of men that live in earthen-looking bodies. And, and, and they back in the Old Testament time, took on, some of them took on forms as giants. Not all of them, but some of them did. Some of them did not take forms of giants. They took other sizes. But they were part of the tares. They were part of those devil-created genetics that were meant to stop the transmission and the transformation of the fallen angels by having bodies with souls and through that experience being able to overcome and be saved. And as we begin to see this, Paul is saying, or not Paul, but Jude is saying, this is still going on. There are still, even in our day, and no doubt in the future to come, there are persons that are from ancient time. They are ordained. Now, how do they get ordained? Not by God. They are ordained of Lucifer, Satan. They are chosen by him 
to have the stature and the measurement and the personification and the status and the stature. And it is all to do with criticizing and judging the plan of God and claiming that that plan of God is not equal, is not fair, is not right, and it's all about being ordained to the condemnation. And these are ungodly men that want to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Their plan is to deny the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the angel of the Ophanims, of the angel of the host. And the Bible says in his coming that, that the Lord Jesus Christ shall come with the voice of an archangel. And there you have the Lord of hosts. And it is so absolutely awesome and so important how that these things have been going on and how that they have rudiments and root so deep. And as we begin to think about this thing, you know, with, um, with, with some of these persons, uh, for sure you've got Nimrod. And Nimrod lived after the flood. And, and uh, he married his own mother after his father died. And he, he, he was totally into uh, uh, the worship of, of the false gods. He had a big place uh, with, in connection with Lucifer. Uh, he was involved in such an extreme uh, way that uh, it, would t it, would take, it would take months and months of teachings just to show all this. And uh, in one place, he's described uh, as Amaphel, uh, a king. So, you know, he has different titles. He's a king. He's a hunter. Uh, he's this person who is involved uh, with the uh, sun god worship and other kinds of gods. He's involved with all, this, all of this. And, um, and the father of, of Nimrod, it says, uh, it's been said, is, uh, is Bill Cush. Uh, 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 which another word for Bel Cush is Baal, 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 B-A-A-L. So Bel Cush or Baal uh, is one of the uh, group of gods that that Elijah had to come up against, and and other men of God had to come up against. Uh, there is a big factor of invasion. Uh, the uh, people of Israel uh, they got off. Onto worshiping the the, the 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 queen of heaven, God, uh, they were big into that. Uh, there's been an invasion, uh, you know, and this this uh, Nimrod. Uh, when you get into the Nimrod, that's a very very important thing because you know all the tribes of Israel, uh, they each had a, a father ministry and and a, and a father who was over each tribe and 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 that father had a rod because the rod represented the the genetic transmission uh, of the seed of Abraham through each of those tribes well Nimrod the rod name is not an accident uh, it is a perpetuation of a soulless people not a people with souls and and so we've got uh, you know the dark dawn that happened at the birth of Babylon, and and the the, the followers 
uh, you know, of, of uh, uh, Belzebub, the Lord of the Flies, and, 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 or the Lord of the Flyers, and how that they were building this, this great pillar-like uh, existence. And, and, and there's no doubt in my mind that at the really high upper part of it, it fanned it out, and there was a, a, a huge place for the landing of Zams. And uh, there was going to be this connection to the Zams, and, and there was even going to be a, a place there where some of the people could then be taken in some of their spacecraft uh, that flew at incredible speeds uh, to, to, to visit some of these other planets where Lucifer had some, uh, some works and things that he was doing. And, and so uh, the angels of God said, we've got to stop this. We see that there's no end. Anything that they have imagined, we see that they can do. They can do these things. Someone says, oh, they wouldn't have been able to do that. Well, then you want, you're just repudi repudiating the Bible. Because the Bible says if they could imagine it, then they could do it. And, and, and so Nimrod, you know, and all these, this dark dawn uh, was, was all something that happened after the flood. And, and it, it had to do with these ordained uh, ancient persons of Lucifer. And, and, it, and it happened at what was called the Tower of Baal, uh, Babel, uh, Genesis 11.1. 1. And the whole earth was of one language. Now, a lot of times uh, we want to think in terms of that meaning they all spoke the same um, uh, language as far as communication. But there may be a dualistic meaning to that. It, it may be saying that at this time, the majority of the people that lived on the planet were really into the Satanic language. And, and uh, uh, you know, Nimrod, he was married to Ishtar. And, uh, and uh, that comes from the, from the name of a star, uh, Istarit, Istarti. And, and uh, she was also an extremely, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, just evil, evil, evil person. Now, it was only by the promise of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, 1 through 13, that we would begin to get a language uh, by the Holy Ghost that in uh, Genesis 14, first, Gen uh, first, pardon me, first Corinthians um, uh, 14, uh, that we could overcome uh, this in, this language that that was this Babel language that had been instilled in hu in humankind, and and even the people that believed in God in the right way, some of them had become polluted. So now we we see that term uh, even when Adam was first born, and in and in most of all the people of Israel, all the people of God, it says they are polluted, which means that there is genetically in them, mentally in them, uh, this force of darkness that they that that has it pollutes them, and and uh, this is one of the things that has to happen. They have to be purified of that pollution before they will ever be able to uh, reach that point of enduring to the end. And so this is all powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. And, and it, you know, uh, it ties into Ezekiel 8 and his Gal-Gal and Gel-Gal chapters and, and his Ophanim chapters uh, uh, of, 
of uh, why he was given those kind of re uh, uh, reveals because so much else was going on uh, that it had to be counterbalanced. And so then it had reached such a degree that as, as, as you would get uh, over, you know, uh, opposite the bank of Jordan, but over closer to Hermon and, and some of the, the mountains that were uh, side mountains that came out from it, uh, and and went toward this the 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 uh, uh, you, you know some of it to the east and 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 the south uh, that uh, there were these these giants of Bashan and then there were there was this underground capital called uh, Edrei and Edrei uh, was a, an incredible underground city and. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we are told that there were, uh, in those areas, about 60 cities of the giants. And the caverns of Edrei were so huge, it, they, it was like a total other world. And, and, and they were very involved in, in worshiping Astaroth, uh, the god at Edrei, uh, the god of the heavens. And, and uh, uh, they, they were very involved in, in uh, the, the underground uh, living. And, and that spread over into Turkey because the other group that was really uh, big into it was Gyges. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But in Turkey, there is a giant underground city uh, that existed in the day of Lydia. And, and in, the, in the time of Lydia is when Gyges uh, uh, was in power. And so Satan has always had his chief persons. And Gyges, of course, the other name for Gyges is Gog, G-O-G. And we see that Gog has an existence and is still showing that it's going to have incredible multitudes of Gog and Magog, of people that are going to come to war against Israel uh, at some great future time. And so as we begin to really get into this understanding and this incredibility opens up and we begin to see uh, about, you know, uh, the giants and about Nimrod and about, uh, you know, uh, the, these um, other existences that, that, that are, are mentioned in Jude. Uh, there was the, the uh, Lydian kings and, uh, you know, the army of Gyges was so strong uh, that at one time he defeated uh, the Persian army. Uh, later they, they came against him and defeated him, but at one time he actually defeated the Persian army. And uh, they are known as being the, uh, the first persons uh, who, um, uh, who uh, through their inventions, created coinage, C-O-I-N-A-G-E, and that was in the late 7th century B.C. So they created the coinage of money. And, and, uh, and you can see how that uh, uh, even they were so strong back at that time that they were able to challenge the Phoenicians uh, so that their dominance uh, was even rolled back some in the Mediterranean. So it's, it's not minor mold, ladies and gentlemen. The, the, um, 
the empire uh, of of Gyges and and his kings that he had. Uh, they had great dominance, and they, they covered quite a region, and they they had an effect. Uh, they created a legacy of the Gog and the Magog, and, and they were big into the Babylonian concept of of a of a special wealth of a world government and of a special trade of a world government. So uh, the the uh, uh, the people of this uh, Ladia Empire, uh, they, they were in much of Western uh, Anatolia. Anatolia. Uh, they were involved in gold, tin, and, and, and iron mines. Uh, and they had a firm grip on sea routes uh, between the Black Sea and the Mediterranean. Uh, they were a force, they were a power, and as you look at all of these different powers and different forces of the giants and the other kinds of people uh, of, of, uh, of Lydia and of, uh, uh, of uh, Ladu and Lud and, and uh, who mingled with some of the Assyrian uh, aspects, uh, this thing of Gyges, G-Y-G-E-S, uh, who who devoted himself to Lydia and and its military power was really based deeply on all its falsehood of belief, uh, which is something that the Bible says in in Revelations is going to be ongoing, and so you got the the Lydian, the Lydia, and and these populations uh, that that. Uh, that at one time covered all of Western Anatolia. Imagine that, all of Western Anatolia. That is incredible. Uh, it was also part of uh, Sardis, which was once a beautiful city and a city that's mentioned uh, as some of the church cities. So um, even the Ephesian goddess Diana is tied into that whole aspect. Uh, the ancient Greeks in the 6th century B.C., uh, you know, they were into a lot of this. They referred to planets as wandering stars, and uh, from that name uh, was derived the word planet because planet is derived from that. Now, Mars, uh, uh, with this orange-red uh, color, uh, was associated with fire and given the name uh, Pyros, the fiery one, and uh, and uh, there, the, it was considered a Greek god, and and uh, Mars then uh, is in our daily calendar. When you say Tuesday, uh, that comes from the T Y R abbreviation of the god of war and wisdom, uh, and so it's T I W apostrophe S uh, Ties or Ties Day. Uh, or Tuesday, uh, which comes actually from that meaning of the God of War. That is the name of our Tuesdays. And, and uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, even the month of March comes from uh, the French word uh, Mardi, uh, which means Mars Day. And uh, uh, many of these things are, are connected to 
to gods, uh, of which uh, finally brings about this this thing in the Bible called the image of jealousy, described in Ezekiel eight three and the seed of the image of jealousy and Ezekiel eight, which which uh, provoketh to jealousy, and and uh, then it 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 connects with this idea of the rod, uh, you know. And so we have the, 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 the stem of an angel of light, the rod of Lucifer, Satan, and, and uh, uh, his power to erect and to create between the heaven and earth and, and uh, to, to uh, uh, be involved even one day as it describes it in, the, I believe it's the ninth chapter of Revelations, begins to, to uh, enter into the endless shaft of a bottom, the bottomless pit and begin to uh, do creations. This is future, and it's going on. It's not going away. There is an incredible future that is coming that is beyond almost any belief that a person could imagine. Now, I want to, uh, got a lot to cover here yet, but I want to briefly go over some of the things I talked about last time. Uh, I wrote, I bid you ride the appoggiatura of this high cadenza of sonnets. I bid you come a part of this manifest reveal, and as a conductor of the fermata and of the infinito, of the all in all, may the holy leaps from mountains to mountains and sky places to sky places be with you. And this was connected to my teaching last week of the 29th issue that we provided, the broadcast of the escape uh, uh, from Exodus. And it was about impulse uh, nerves that that you have in your body that leap from node to node and junction to junction, and and how that forest fires leap. And there are all kinds of things like uh, in when we're talking with atoms, how that there will be a nucleus, and then there will be these other uh, 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 subatomic or atomic particles, and uh, as they are in, grow in a charge then they can leap, do a quantum leap uh, closer to the nucleus. Or if they lose their charge, they go backwards and go to an orbit that's further away. Uh, and how that those kind of things uh, reveal how that God's people are able to move and, and to move in the quickenings. Uh, we, we don't have to, to do what we call straight line motion. We can do these holy leaps and the Bible talks about it in Solomon, about leaping from mountaintop and from hilltop to hilltop and mountaintop to mountaintop. All right. So uh, we see that God is wanting to pierce this intervening wall, this mental partition that is both on earth and both in space, that is built by the forces dark, uh, to physically intercept us in the mind power that we need to know the truth, in the living power that we need to address truth from day to day, and that that must be demolished and destroyed, and we are the tools and the instruments that God wants to use to bring about that destruction. So <clears throat> we then went on to many, many different things. We got into things, uh, you know, in the past where we where we uh, talked to similar things of paradox uh, that are similar to this 
quantum leap idea and uh, and how that the virgin birth of Jesus Christ was a, a holy leap from the Adamic uh, uh, era from Adam to Adam uh, that uh, uh, even with Elizabeth uh, she had the experience to genetic deep uh, leap when she heard a salutation uh, the you know the the babe leaped in her womb and then she was filled with the Holy Ghost we spoke that last week and there is this dividing of the spirit and the soul and and uh, this thing of the leaping on the mountains is actually in the Song of the Solomon chapter 2 verse 7 through 8 and verse 14 um, we see this power of spirit we see this consonant of the song of soul that gives us a quantity of light that understands the part of the day that is darkness and understands the part of the day that is dawning and how that we have to come into those revelations and how that every one of us <clears throat> has to overcome the pollution in our blood. Joel 3.21 and where it says, I will cleanse their blood. And Ezekiel 33, 4, which talks about blood, uh, you know, on each one's own head, how that this blood thing is a big, powerful subject. And and being polluted with blood, mentioned in Hosea 6, 8. And all of these things uh, tie into everything that is real that we talk about and believe as a Christian. There isn't any of these things that don't go in, in go back to the Exodus escape and the, and the five books of Torah, even, even the thing of Jesus Christ because, because the revelation of Moses was a likeness of, who, of he who was to come, which was Jesus, and that's verified in Acts, that's verified in the Old Testament, and we see that this book of Moses is just gigantic. And in such terms and words as Selah, words that people for years had no idea, what does that mean? And they thought it was just some kind of a, a musical pause. But that wasn't what it was. The, the Peshito, I mentioned last week, renders it to mean from before the world. And the Targum of the Jewish renders it to be uh, 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 the word Sila meaning as forever. Uh, we are seeing that this thing about the Ancient of Days and this rock and all this thing of the rock has a more of a message than can ever be believed. We see that the giant how the, of Goliath, how he was killed, was with a stone, which is a rock. And how that there was, a, there was a, a meaning there and a message there about the rock of ages. And we begin to understand when, there, when the Bible tells us who we will see later in Isaiah, where it says that we were hewed out of a rock and that we were dug out of a pit, and how that the black holes are, are uh, the birth of a collapsed star, and that therefore when, it, when we say that we come from the stars, and when the Bible says in Isaiah that we come from a dark, from the, the dark, deep, black hole, uh, they're both true. It's right in the Bible. And, and so the rock of ages... You know, when, when they talk in science about the, um, the, the, the infinite density, uh, the always God, the, 
God of the, uh, the ages, the rock of the ages, is a perfect symbolic metaphorical explanation of the black hole. And when it mentions the, the bottomless pit in the book of Revelations, you cannot have a bottomless pit on the earth. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, uh, you might try to think that you could by, there, uh, by the hole being a loop, uh, but then you have the problem, you know, with the bottomless pit and how the, 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 the opening is at the bottom. And so it's not at some point in the loop that is in the upper part. Uh, and and uh, uh, so these things are all awesome and incredible. Uh, we talked about how that that some of the meanings like uh, like hand breath that that tied into to the hand of God and the, and the handful of of what that hand ha- held and the breath in the measurements. Uh, that number twenty nine is an incredible teaching. Uh, we talked uh, the whirlwind ministries, and and uh, and uh, how Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind, how whirlwind revealed to the, uh, the morning star revelation to Job, uh, how Isaiah five twenty six to twenty eight speaks of the wheels like a whirlwind, and Job thirty eight one mentions the morning star revelation of the whirlwind, and Elijah Second Kings two one through eleven mentions Elijah taken up by a whirlwind. And and we just begin to to get into these churnings and these quickenings, and we begin to see how important that these whirlwind ministry reveals that that have been given uh, in in uh, this whole revelation is so important, and how that not everyone is going to to make it the first or second time around. Deuteronomy one thirty five says, "Not one of these evil generations shall see the good land." And that ended up being over 600,000 uh, uh, soldiers uh, that, w- that escaped out of e- Egypt that were not going to be able to see the, the Holy Land. We talked last week about the first blessings and how that, that connects us to our inherited right of who we are as a soul-birthed person and how that the first fruits is what must happen so that we can gain back uh, our, our freedom of this inherited right, and and uh, and how that the church of the firstborn is is uh, mentioned, uh, you know, in, in in the book of Hebrews eleven twenty eight and Hebrews twelve twenty three, and the church of the firstborn is so very very important, and and uh, this revelation of the firstborn uh, being the offspring of the invisible God uh, has to be expanded has to be taken on deeper and deeper and deeper. So uh, we see then, the as we try to get through some of this stuff here so much, how that all these, these things that we talked about, uh, there are people that are just living word for word on things like the law of the Ten Commandments, and they're into the Sabbath, and they don't understand the Sabbath. They don't know what the Sabbath means. For hundreds of generations, 
there were people that were, were believing in what was called the Sabbath and were trying to fulfill it the way they thought it was in the physical sense they thought it was. And then Paul writes and says, you know, they have never entered into the rest of the Sabbath. They have an idea about the Sabbath, but they don't know what it really means. They don't realize that Adam was born on the Sabbath day and, and that this Sabbath day represents a revelation of Jesus Christ giving up all his authoritative power as an archangel and coming down and taking a, a human body after the offspring's uh, seed type of Abraham and how uh, that that the law needs to be uh, to, to be uh, changed and, and the Bible says it does Isaiah 42 21 says the law needed to be magnified in order to be understood in order for his message to be understood so the Lord uh, is well pleased, it says in another place, for his righteous sake uh, to, to magnify the law and to make it honorable. Re Isaiah 42, 21, also Isaiah 43, 3 through 4. So the Bible says one day the heavens are going to declare the righteousness of God and a voice of the Lord is going to divide the flames of fire. And the holy, 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 the 30, 60, 100 fold uh, is going to stand at our door and knock. And God is going to cause his people to open those doors. Then in the last teaching, we got into the fifth column of quintessence and, and the negative of the dark forces and how that, that was sort of a Trojan horse type of thing, but that there was a fifth property as a spirit property and, and that offered a difference of the choice of directions. And it was a story of the Shekinah glory pillar, that the very word column literally means in French and in other two, uh, languages, uh, uh, pillars. And in the Bible, uh, it talks about the, um, uh, the, the pillars of wisdom. Uh, all of these things are part of the fifth column quintessence, the super energy that can reverse the laws that suspend nature, uh, and the fifth seal, Revelation 6, 9 through 11, uh, about the dignities, dignitaries under the altar, and how that, that's all part of a revelation of, of this fifth column quintessence, and the, the revelation of the rainbow covenant uh, uh, being clothed uh, upon the head of, of, of Christ and his face as the sun, his feet as pillars, all tying into this column of quintessence. Uh, the angel sounded the fifth trumpet. Uh, I saw the stars sin from heaven. The fifth column is a pillar of intelligent consciousness. Uh, it is uh, a matrix design of the state of creation. It cannot advance without an input. Uh, speaking of... Uh, of uh, creation needs an input to to uh, uh, go forward and that fifth column that is imbued as a pillar of wisdom is everywhere in the universe and even at the end of the universe the bible says that 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 it is it there's nowhere you can go even in hell his spirit is there this fifth column quintessence is there to say when eternities are finished and when there will be a, a, a new expansion take place for a new universe and it goes on and on and on in all these different teachings there is so much there is so much we talked about the dark side of moses 
and we discovered that the dark side wasn't the kind of darkness that were demeaning things, but was about him walking in to that unknown area that was dark and to getting into that 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 day of the of of the imperial darkness uh, that was waiting for the breaking of the dawn of, of the rest of the day, the 12 to the 12, the duality revelation. And we, we've talked in there a lot about the bush, uh, the, the revelation of the, of the I am Yah and Yah, and, and uh, all of the things related to, to uh, the cherubim, uh, not all of the things, but many of the things. And we talked about the ghost of, Moses' mentation, uh, other roots, other underground legends, uh, the Moses reveal of a physical God who has spiritual powers. We've talked about so much. Um, we talked about um, in other reveals, like uh, you know uh, the uh, the Bible cities of Kadesh Barnea, and uh, how that. Uh, you know, the voice of the Lord, the Bible says in Psalms 29, 7 through 9, shaketh the wilderness and, and, uh, uh, and the wilderness of Kadesh, the Petra, uh, where the, the city of Selah is, that the Lord maketh the hinds to calve. Gentile, uh, Salatron, discovers the, discovers the forest in his temple and doth uh, cause everyone to speak of his glory. And, and we, we see how that in these reveals of Kadesh uh, that there is uh, in the encampment of all of the children of Israel that come back together and that meet there at Selah, uh, the city of Selah. And, and that uh, how that uh, at one, one part of the meaning of Kadesh is the word holy. Uh, and uh, there are other meanings of it, just like I explained to you in the beginning, how that a word can have several different meanings. And in these areas was where uh, Moses uh, smote the rock, and we discovered there's two of those examples. That duality is totally there. And so um, the Selah thing is really, really big. Uh, there was two uh, Meribahs, uh, and, uh, that's a duality, uh, rocks that gush forth with waters. There was two different places, uh, but both uh, used the name Mirabah. Uh, Israel committed sins in both of those places. And, and uh, there are different names, like Kadesh can also mean Rekim, R-E-K-E-M. It's just another name in the Bible. So you think you found everything about Kadesh, but if you don't know that Kadesh has other names, then you won't know everything it has to say. And so the, um, the children of Israel, the Bible says, left harnessed out of Egypt. Uh, <clears throat> Exodus 13, 18. And when we look at that word harnessed, Hebrew 2571, from Hebrew 70, from Hebrew 2570, we understand from its root, Hebrew 2568, it means five. Now, we just were talking about this, this number five of the hand of God, and we were talking about this number five uh, that we got into that meant the, the pillars, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and the revelation of that part that 
so absolutely provocative and important, important. And uh, so we we see it and we know it, and we have to we have to uh, get into these revelations of the name, so that uh, so that we can we can understand uh, what the total value of the meaning is. And and uh, so when I when I uh, talk to you about you know this part that. Uh, had to do with um, uh, with this the pillars and 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 uh, the the word column uh, the word column the fifth column uh, fifth hand of God the word column how that 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 is so important to understand how that that ties into these revelations of the pillar that of clouds that went over the children of Israel. And they couldn't move sometimes by days or weeks or months unless the pillar moved, and 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 uh, the pillar of cloud. Ladies and gentlemen, this revelation in the book of Torah, revelation through Moses, could easily use another twenty to thirty teachings to begin to really cover all the meanings that it is explicit. But this thing about the children of Israel went out harnessed is so important because that's the secret of the Exodus, and 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 it had its uh, had its uh, uh, its uh, example in in, in uh, Jacob when Jacob uh, uh, went to meet Esau and how he divided up his family and put them in different ranks. And there ended up being five different ranks, how they were divided up. And that this, in, this uh, meaning <clears throat> of going out, you know, in harnessed or harnessed like that, which, which means the five, which, which then ties into this whole thing of the column of quintessence, the fifth column, which is the pillar of wisdom. And how that this pillar of wisdom showed Moses through the through the story examples of like Jacob, and uh, showed uh, Moses how that um, he could he could uh, go to uh, this whole aspect uh, of sending people a, a different way, sending them a different way, like like he could just go ahead and only take uh, some of the of the 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 mixed people with him and and fool the Egyptians to think he had the Israelites. And and then they would uh, separate and go different ways. Uh, and But all of the Israelite people would eventually meet at Selah. And some of them would go like tourists. Some of them would take take uh, uh, the sea. Uh, some of them would would go as other kinds of of very brilliant ideas that Moses had for them, and 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 then they would have the job of getting food and and various important things that would be needed by the people of Israel, and they would meet with them, and and and, and that's why there wasn't these millions of people that ever went into the wilderness. Uh, uh, they didn't go until they went and met at Kadesh, uh, which was. Uh, we're at the the Sila area, Petra, and and uh, that is so important to know. And these teachings really go into the detail of it. 
and it it tells you uh, about all these things. And I just want to sort of close here with mentioning just a few things that are also in these teachings that I just don't have time to get into. But the Petra meeting place of the 12 tribes of Israel, escape. Uh, they had a meeting also with, with the Ziths, with the angels of God at that time at Selah. And there's Bible for all of that. And it's beautiful. And, and uh, uh, there is also revelation that, that uh, we wanted to get into, like about the military order of the Ethiopian monks and how they were like Knight Templar uh, of the fourth century. But how that in the dynasty of Moses and the queen of Sheba, uh, how that, that there was this awesome thing in which there was, uh, uh, you know, discovered by actual DNA test that some of the people that, that, were, that were in Africa were actually some of the lost tribes of Israel. And they proved this by a DNA test. And hundreds of those people have come and moved into Israel uh, as being part of the lost tribes. It is so awesome and so beautiful, all that there is to say about all of this. But you know what? We've got to stop. We've got to quit. Um, we just want to say, let the angels of God be with you. And pray for us in this meeting that's coming up next month, middle of June, 1819. We're going to reveal a new revelation of Gentile there and some absolutely incredible, awesome stuff. So awesome that it can't even be broadcasted or written. It has to be only secret. There's a select number of people that we we decided on for that meeting. There may be a couple openings available. You have to contact Jerry Lee at lee.jerry.o And I want to say that that needs to be all lowcase. lee.jerry.o at gmail.com God bless you. We love you. We do love you. God bless you.